गुड मॉर्निंग एवरीबडी आई स्निग्धा शर्मा आई एम गोइंग टू रीड द हिंदू एडिटोरियल डेटेड 9 जुलाई 2021. थाउजेंड ट्वेंटी वन दिस पॉडकास्ट इज फॉर दोज हु डू नॉट हैव टाइम टू रीड न्यूज़ पेपर दैम सेल्स द एनालिसिस ऑफ द एडिटोरियल इज गिवन ऑन द लास्ट सेगमेंट ऑफ द पॉडकास्ट लेट्स गेट स्टार्टेड हैप्पी प्रिपरेशन The first article of the day is Troubling Prospects in Afghanistan As the reality of US withdrawal takes hold the future will depend on Taliban Kabul dynamics and Pakistan's role This article is written by Rakesh Sood Last week on Friday the United States handed over the Bagram Air Base to the Afghan authorities marking a symbolic end to its military presence as US forces complete their withdrawal well ahead of the September 11 deadline announced by American President Joe Biden on April 14th A familiar air of uncertainty surrounds Kabul as the Afghans ponder over the future of their land ravaged by conflict for nearly 50 years afghanistan's immediate neighbors are now faced with a new challenge how to persuade the taliban against overplaying their military hand a costly misadventure could anyone have predicted when the us commenced its military interventions in afghanistan in october 2001 that it would get embroiled in an endless war for 20 years to and to exit safely It would have to negotiate with the Taliban the same entity that it went into punish. It has been a costly lesson. The war effort has cost 980 billion uh, billion dollars. Over 2400 US soldiers plus 1144 allied troops and 388 private military contractors have lost their lives. It also spent 1.143 billion dollars on reconstructions. About 90 billion dollars went for Afghan army, police and other security forces. 36 billion dollars for governance and economic development activities. The rest of the international community contributed an equivalent amount and the balance on counter narcotics and humanitarian relief works. Yet the real price has been paid by the Afghans. The 20-year war has claimed the lives of nearly 50,000 Afghan civilians and nearly 70,000 Afghan security forces. A majority during the last 7 years add to it another 60,000 Afghan Taliban and the scale of the Afghan human loss becomes evident. There have been gains too. In 2001 there were 9 lakh boys in school. Today 8 million children attend schools and third are and a third are girls. Literally, Literacy is up from 12% in 2002 to 35%. Life expectancy from 40 to 63 years. Urbanization is 26% and 70% of the population watch TV. From 320 miles of paved roads in 2002, today, tarred roads cover 10,000 miles. Infant mortality rates are down from 20% by over half. With a median age of 18.5 years, a majority of Afghans have grown up in a post-Taliban era. Today they bear the brunt of 130 daily Taliban IS Khurasan attacks the highest since the US ended combat operations in end 2014 tomorrow even these limited gains are at risk Taliban gains legitimacy 
for US President Bush the objective was to build a stable strong effective governed Afghanistan that won't degenerate into chaos as the US shifted from counterterrorism to counterinsurgency shades of Vietnam began to emerge to Hamid Karzai's credit he saw the writing on the wall when he protested about the might night raids and warned that Americans to either take the fight to the safe havens and sanctuaries across the Durand line or to make peace with the Taliban but it only soured his relation with the US eventually US president Barack Obama diluted the objective to preventing Afghanistan from becoming a safe haven for global terrorism he oversaw a success full operation to eliminate Osama bin Laden in 2011 implemented an unsuccessful military surge concluding with an end to combat operations in the end 2014 and Taliban opened the Doha office in 2013 US president Donald Trump saw himself as a deal maker and in 2018 initiated direct negotiations with the Taliban ambassador Zalami Khalilzad, U.S. Special Representative for Afghanistan Reconciliations, began by setting out four elements, a ceasefire, a cutting ties with Al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups, intra-Afghan peace talks and a withdrawal of all foreign military forces, declaring that nothing is agreed till everything is agreed. Within months, the Taliban had whittled down the U.S. demands till it got what it wanted, a withdrawal timeline not linked to the other factors. In addition, the Taliban managed to get the U.S. to push the Kabul government to release over 5,000 Taliban cadres in custody. In short, the U.S. ended up legitimizing the Taliban at the expense of the government in Kabul that they had worked to create and support. U.S. President Joe Biden was no stranger to the Afghan, Afghan dossier. He was convinced that the U.S. had to exit from the quagmire of forever wars. The U.S. may have de- decided that it had no military operations, but the Taliban are still pushing ahead militarily. From less than a fifth today, over a third of Afghanistan's over 400 dis- districts are under Taliban control the day after the exit from bagram 13 districts in bakshan takhar pakhti and kandahar fell to the taliban adding to 50 they have fallen since may in many cases the local locals manning in the security posts and checkpoint points have just surrendered from villages and towns they are already a move towards the city Indra, Afghan talks and Doha have been in limbo for months. Questions about the future. Jane Austen S. Miller said, The U.S. commander in Afghanistan indicated in a recent press conference, civil war is certainly a path that can be visualized if I continue on this trajectory. Dr. Abdullah Abdullah, uh, Chairman of the High Council for National Reconciliation, warned on June 13, the truth is today, the survival, security and the unity of Afghanistan is in danger. Ironically, the most vocal critiques of the US overstaying in Afghanistan and hinting that the US would never leave are the ones now blaming the US for a hasty, irresponsible withdrawal. In coming months, 
as uncertainty mounts there will be increasing taliban presence in the countryside as the kabul government concentrate on ensuring security in urban areas and of the road networks the taliban military strategy has been to target districts that enable them to surround provincial capitals the clutch in the northeast including badak badakshan thakur kunduz and baglan enable them to control the afghanistan tajikistan border and the wahan corridor and links to china in the east they exert control in ghazni zabul and pakhtia while in the hakani network is active in coast and pakhtika and the isk in nangarhar kunar and lagman further south the taliban control large parts of kandahar helmand and farah border bordering iran as a reality of the us withdrawal takes hold how events unfold by the end 2021 depends on three factors first have the taliban changed their ideological colors the us in recent years and pakistan for much longer have been pushing this line but the taliban leadership have given no clues about it related to this is the question of taliban unity distances have grown between the kakata shura the doha negotiators and the fighters who want to guard their individual preserves this works as long as everyone is pursuing the military option but when it comes to power sharing who calls the shots or does it lead to no power sharing second can the kabul regime present in a unified front if the leaders in kabul and the government continue snipping at each other it will adversely impact the integrity of the chain of compact or command of the afghan security forces if opportunistic leaders are tempted to strike their own deals with the taliban it would only hasten the collapse and even western findings will dry up the pakistan factor finally is pakistan still seeking strategic depth in afghanistan has it realized that a taliban dominated kabul will be a magnet for its own home grown extremists as well as those from the neighborhood can it persuade the taliban that its legitimacy will be at risk unless it shares power pakistan's influence will weaken once the rehbari shura decides to move back from kata to afghanistan History tells us that in Afghan Afghanistan there have only been winners and losers seldom any lasting compromises In a passing the larger picture of disposition blaming the system alone for father Stan Swami's death obscures how India's political economy is linked to deprivation When an officer from the National Investigation Agency came to interrogate Father Stan Swami last monsoon, the Jesuit sociologist, then 83, in turn asked him about political integrity and why a father-son duo, P. Jairaj and Benix, should die of custodial torture in Tamil Nadu police lockup. It was quintessential Father Swami 
and unafraid outspoken and questioning just injustice father swami was sent to talora jail in october 2020 in the bima korigao case where some of his co-accused have now spent more than 3 years without bail or trial all have been charged under the unlawful activities prevention act that is uapa a widely misused tool for governments to criminalize lawful dissent and hold ideological opponents in prolonged incarceration for all the talks by authorities of a terrorist conspiracy father swami was never interrogated in 9 months of custody his arrest in the middle of the pandemic over 2 years after the first raid on his part in one room residence seems like a targeted viciousness All Indians have dignity not just the wealthy and the privileged this belief guided father swami's lifelong concern for justice as i saw in my interaction with him over the years as a journalist adivasis and laws when he first come to west or singabam from his native tiruchirappalli in tamil nadu in 1970s living among the adivasi community profoundly shaped him he had told me in an interview i underwent an awakening looking at adivasi values of equality community and decision making by consensus his work firmly rejected the prejudice of adivasis of backwardness and tirelessly pointed out how violence and disposition was pushed down their throats and called development adivasis lived on lands full of minerals others took these out and enriched themselves but adivasis did not get anything in a decade long tenure as director of bangalore's bangalore's indian social institute he trained countless grassroots activists he continued this work when he co-founded the rachi based abagaisha in 2006 a center for research training and social action dedicated to working with adivasis and other marginalized communities and legally empowering their struggles for justice and dignity as long time friends and colleagues testify father swami wanted it to be a place which the marginalized felt was their own a statue a statue of bersa munda and a megalith with the name of those killed in anti displacement protest mark by bagaichas central ground Its one-room library contained reports, studies, and files of newspaper cuttings on issues such as forced displacements, hunger deaths, extrajudicial killings, and grassroots root protest. A buried history of India's democracy. Helping hands for under trials. When I first met Mr. Swami in 2013, his team was immersed in efforts for poor under trials in prisons across Jharkhand against a raging armed conflict. After three years of painstaking research based on prison visits, meeting police officials and village. and right to information act request his team released a report that included the case studies of over 100 uapa under trials overwhelmingly they were adivasis and dalits and in some cases they had languished in the criminal justice system for up to 10 years about 59% of the households of under trials the reports found earned earned, uh, earned uh, under rupees 3000 per month and were forced to sell assets such as goods to meet bail conditions or legal expenses miss father swami also filed a public interest litigation on the basis of his team's finding which is still being heard in the jharkhand high court as he publicly stated before his arrest he believed that such efforts to challenge an unjust status could lead to state led the state to target him Father Swami's demise has led to a public outpouring of sadness and anger at the cru- cruelty of a criminal justice system. Ever self if if he if he king he would have wanted 
this at attention not on him but on the resources grabs that continue to inflict staggering violence against adivasis and other marginalized groups fill up prisons with people with little access to justice and necessitate draconian laws such as the UAPA to blame the system or the government for his death is to overlook how we implicated in this political economy founded on disposition and the ever expanding criminalization of demands for social and environmental justice as conspiracies against the state liberalization the oppress The human right activist K Balagopal had argued that an abiding legacy of liberalization is the delegitimization of concern for the oppressed. This is why a man who strove all his life for solidarity, fraternity and justice in real terms stands accused by a government of promoting enmity en- and why his death while foretold transcends textual analysis of the UAPA courtroom proceedings and prison reforms father swami had one chance to appear in court when a bombay high court bench asked for him to be presented via video conferencing from taloja jail on afternoon of may 21st battling multiple ailments including parkinson's disease diminishing hearing and by then covid-19 contracted in prison he was visibly ailing but as always full of self respect he told the court that prison conditions were steadily destroying his abilities to read write and walk and that he be granted bail to return to rachi to be with his own in rejecting the judge's suggestion that they send him to hospital for a few days father swami asserted his dignity and innocence and registered a moral protest against being effectively made to serve a death sentence as an indefinitely imprisoned under trial as now well known a dying man's final wish to return to jharkhand to the people he loved with those struggles he had become one for over five decades went unheard these struggles will keep father stan swami's quest for a more democratic india alive The third article is new phase cabinet shuffle aims to improve governance while keeping in mind political consideration the reconstitution of the union council of ministers on wednesday was guided by both political and administrative consideration as many as 36 new faces were inducted and 12 dropped from the council which now has 78 members just three shy of the upper limit of 81 in 2014 the bhartiya janata party began its rule advertising its 45 member council of ministers as an attempt at minimum government but the restraint was quietly abandoned in the following years the political aspirations of communities and regions are difficult to satiate in a country as vast and diverse as india prime minister narendra modi has made an attempt to make his council more diverse and representative in a manner that fits his political priorities the new composition of the council is in step with the bjp's relentless efforts to open obc groups dalits and tribes peoples under its hindutva umbrella politics This accommodation is crucial for the BJP to continue its dominance in Uttar Pradesh, Bihar and other Hindi speaking regions where caste tensions are simmering. New inductions and elevations also signal a continued efforts by the BJP to expand its influence to new areas such as West Bengal and the northeastern states. Barring the continuing underrepresentation of Muslims, the council is impressively representative of the Indian diversity. Governance issues might have been factor in the axing of some of the ministers. Harshvardhan, Ravi Shankar Prasad and Prakash Ambedkar were among those who got the marching orders apparently for 
mishandling the pandemic relations with global it giants and governmental communications respectively new inductees are, are such as ashwini vaishnav and jyotiraditya sindhya have administrative skills that could prove valuable in crucial ministries that they now head individual talent and accountability both can also be contextual and in a highly centralized system they become immaterial the ministers must be empowered to plan and take decisions in their respective areas the notion of collective responsibility of the cabinet must be infused with meaning discussions in the cabinet must be open proposals that come for the cabinet's consideration must go through rigorous technical vettings and wide political cons- consultations the recomposition was intended to enhance governance rev up the economy Uh, and fuel the bjp's political march ahead of crucial state elections and the 2024 lok sabha elections all these would be possible only if all hands are on the deck as assembling a team is indeed a crucial task of captain allowing them to flourish as individuals while playing at a team is equally critical A blip. This year's restrictions by states have inflicted a less economic cost than the 2020 lockdown. Entering its fifth year, India's goods and services tax system reported a blip in revenue collections for June, breaking an eight-month streak of uh, over rupees one lakh crore in tax receipts. GST revenues tanked to a tad less than rupees ninety-three thousand crore last month, the lowest in ten months after record of one point four one lakh crore rupees in April and relatively tepid rupees one point zero two lakh crore in May. Generally, the June revenue reflects transactions that occurred in May, with the second wave of the pandemic in full flourish and states enforcing rigorous restrictions on most activities in May. The numbers are not really surprising. However, as May GST compliance dates for smaller taxpayers were extended till early July, some of this revenue also reflects April sales. Thus, the actual GST income attributable to May's economic activity would be lower than June's gross GST kitty. This also reflected in generation of e-way bills which fell by a sharp 30% in May compared to April while the sequential decline in revenue was not as steep with case loads declining over June and restrictions being pulled back gradually revenues should pick up next month with 5.5 crore e-way bills generated in June from 3.99 crore in May despite the slowdown in May June GST collections in the quarter 1 of 2021 to 22 have been healthier than pre-pandemic levels confirming that this US restrictions driven by states have inflicted less economic costs than the national lockdown at few hours notice in 2020 while the second wave setbacks have shaken up business and consumer sentiments average monthly revenue of rupees 1 lakh crore which finance minister nirmala sitaraman have termed a new normal for gst could perhaps sustain through the year if there is no dramatic resurgence of the pandemic and vaccinations are ramped up as promised this should give some fiscal breathing room for the center and states but neither can afford to sit back structural corrections in the gst regime and the inclusion of petroleum and electricity may take longer but there is enough that needs immediate attention industry has sought temporary rate cuts on some sectors to spur demand it is plausible that a volume pickup could make up for resultant revenue losses just as an uptick in petrol consumption creates room for a revenue neutral duty cut on fuels the gst council 
must be reconvened soon to take up such ideas to prod the economy's rebound. Apart from holding the promised special state sessions to discuss all the brewing concerns related to states' compensations, delaying this will not only foster greater misgivings between the states to plan their borrowings for the rest of the year. Clarity is also needed urgently on when the rupees 1.58 lakh crore of back-to-back borrowings for state in lieu of compensation dues will begin. If the center plans to raise 5,000 crore a week like it did last year, it will take roughly 32 weeks to complete such borrowings, so any delay beyond early August may not be viable.